All right. One, two, check, check, check. We're rolling. Welcome to the show. This is Inside the Mind's Eye, where we explore the thoughts, ideas, and emotions of people who are pursuing a dream or have lived a dream. And this week, we have got an awesome episode. I had my friend from back, back, back in the day come on, Markham Jenkins. He is an, he's an artist, he's a photographer, and he's a bit of a shaman, a shaman. And when I say that, by the way, I want to I give a disclaimer to this episode. Um, we will, be de- we will be discussing and talking about some topics that are outside the norm. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot to do with ayahuasca. There's a lot to do with psilocybin. There's a lot to do with his experience of opening up his consciousness to, to states of mind and states of being facilitated by the use of these, uh, these psychedelic substances. And I can tell you right now... <laughs> I want to like emphasize this disclaimer because we did this conversation about a week ago and, and, you know, I just, whenever I'm doing these conversations, when I'm talking to people, it's like, I, I try to clear my mind as much as I can to be as open as I can to the experience that people are sharing with me. And in the process of talking to Markham, and this is on reflection, like after, after the fact, but it felt like I embodied the experience with him that his detail, his level of detail and his level of, ex- of his ability to communicate the experience seemed to have a psychological impact on me <laughs> because that night, you know, after I got done, after, well, after the conversation, I literally had to sit on this couch over here and just process it and just decompress. And like, I, I was like, what just, what was that, you know? And, um, yeah. And then that night, randomly as hell, I got really sick. And the symptoms I experienced were similar symptoms that one experiences when they're on ayahuasca. It's uh, when, when, you, when you take the substance, when you, when you go on the trip, it's, it's, it's almost like a purge. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of messiness. There's puke, there's throw up, there's, there's boo-boo, you know, <laughs> that's slang for doo-doo. <laughs> Uh, and you just kind of you're sweating and it's it's a full body experience it's it's you're purging yourself and you're going through these waves and and Markham's gonna describe this experience and he's gonna detail it out what it was like but yeah so that's what happened after this conversation and yeah I uh, you know I, I could give some updates on the state of you know what's been going on on my end you know give a little update on shared space I'm not really feeling it though, to be honest. I kind of want to just drop into this to this conversation. It was just awesome. It was so cool talking to him. We we grew up together. You know, I, I spent the night at his house a few times when we were like in middle school and elementary school. You know, we played Tekken 2 on his PlayStation and we were on the same travel soccer team, the Red Storm. And it was just, I mean, the work that he does, his website is incredible, MarkhamJenkins.com. I mean, he is an artist. He, he and he'll talk about this in the conversation, but he, on a plane ride, he had a vision, a vision of this pyramid floating in a mirage of like water and color and like just this really esoteric, and he explains it in the show, but like he, he saw this whole thing and then he went, he made it an effort to recreate it. And, and the pieces that came into play to allow him to recreate this vision he saw 
was like totally organic. It was like the people that could help him kind of just showed up on their own to help him build this, this, uh, I don't want to call it a simulation, but like, uh, it, it was a, it, it was a, it was a installation. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just, I enjoyed the hell out of this conversation, uh, with Markham. It was the shit. It was so cool getting back to know and see where he's at and where he's moving moving towards today you know he's been a professional chef he's been an entrepreneur he's been a, a photographer and uh he's also been a bit of a shaman and so without further ado i'd like to drop us into this conversation this is inside the mind's eye with markham jenkins me too yeah, man. Some I saw you. We, you were probably, we were probably twelve or maybe twelve. I don't even know. Yeah, dude. I remember. Uh, I was thinking about this, dude. <laughs> I remember go, sleeping over at your house one night playing Tekken Two. Okay. Wow, that, what a memory. Yeah, that was back in I think middle school. Wow. Yeah, I. My like vivid. I only have a still image of you with like red curly hair and like you were played on a soccer team with like a green jersey. I can't remember the name. Did we play on the same soccer team? We did. I think. I think we Red were Storm. The Red Storm, dude. Right. Wow. Mark and Bill. Oh. Mark and Bill. You remember them, the coaches? Oh. Wow. I remember yeah. traveling a little bit. <clears throat> um, Coach Mark was like, somehow, I still remember him. He had influence on me, so I remember him for sure. I think I rebelled against him more because my dad wasn't really, my parents had just split up, I think. How old were he you? He was kind of like a father figure, you know? 13. 13? Yeah. Man, dude. Well, let's, let's go into it, dude. Like, what the hell, bro? Like, you're 13. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Pretty cool. Yeah, dude, this is- Glad to have arrived. Yeah, dude, where are you at right now? I'm in, I'm in my parents' house. Um, I just moved here from Chicago in March, the end of March, with my fiance. Right on, what, what fa facilitated the move? Uh, coronavirus. Yeah, but many many factors. Um, I mean, from my my point of view, I I, I stop I stop seeing anything as co coincidental or yeah. You just I guess you just reach like a certain level of awareness where I can just at least I had the notion and feeling that things are happening, and I can just jump onto the train and let it and ride it, you know, rather than question why things are happening if that makes sense to you at all that's what i do uh, all day yeah right right so um i kind of had like reached my end uh like i kind of sucked everything out of chicago that i think i could have gotten out of it and then that in conjunction with a lot of like life decisions based on like what i was doing with my life career-wise and I had been spending a lot of time in the Amazons in the past few years and like really just 
fast tracking my spirituality and just the, the sheer amount of change that happened within me in two years, you know, just really kind of just blasted my eyes open to what I guess the fundamental reality of things. And then that led me to desire higher purpose. That makes sense. So I went back to school. Uh, same with my fiance. She also retired from her work as she, she was a ballet dancer professionally. And then we both decided to go back to school for medicine. Uh, so that way we can eventually open up a clinic together. Nice dude. Let's that's fucking badass, bro. Let's, let's go back to a couple years, man. You said you were going to the Amazon. You're exploring. What, what were you doing? Were you were fast tracking your spirit, your spirituality? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I guess when I was 20, I'm 32, <clears throat> 32, when I was 27, um, I had my first uh, like religious or spiritual experience with psychedelics. Uh huh. How old were you? Uh, 27? Yeah, 27. So I was, I guess, old enough to, con and I was alone. So it wasn't a like recreational experience. At least it maybe it started off that way, but I was by myself and I was in, uh, I was in Florida at my cousin's place in Key Biscayne. It's like an island right off of downtown Miami. And uh, her husband, who's a lawyer, but he grew, he grows mushrooms. And while they were at work, that he had told he's he shot me a text he was like hey you know like the key to my bike is here like feel free to take my bike to the to the beach and if you want to eat some mushrooms <clears throat> they're in the bottom drawer in my dresser so feel free to have them if, if you'd like and i was kind of sitting there like contemplating you know if i was going to eat them or not you know and then i finally just decided i'm like what have i got to lose you know i'm i'm here by myself Mine is what could go wrong, you know? So I, I, I pulled out this big jar that he had, a big jar, and just kind of like reached my hand in them. I just grabbed like a big amount, you know, which I think now probably equal like six grams or so. And, uh, and just kind of like, I just threw it in a blender with like, you know, yogurt and I made a smoothie with like, you know, bananas and whatever, and just like chugged it. And then went to the beach and I was sitting on the beach, you know, I sat, it, you know, it hit, take, took some time to hit me. So I was sitting on the beach. I was just like lying there and slowly, but surely like I, my hand was, I had kind of like was laying on my side and I was next to this palm tree and I had my hand on the palm tree and I was like, I started to kind of like, really like aggressively like dig my fingers into the tree and I had no idea why I was doing that but then my hand started to I'm a pretty hairy dude <laughs> and but the hair on my hand started to really like get very like primatey you know like I, I I started losing sense of what I was you know entirely and my vision had expanded uh, much farther than like our normal range of vision. Like I was seeing pretty much 360 degrees and I had like a small notion of that in very somewhere deep in my psyche. Like my, my ego was 
consciously aware that my perception was changing very rapidly, but I, I couldn't keep up with the, the, the rapid change in perception. And I started to understand that I was hearing um, everything at the same volume, but at very different distances. So people that were on the beach, I could hear their conversations like at the same intensity. So I started to like, you know, things started to, from there started to desperately fall apart. You know, I, I, I felt leaned on my, I shouldn't say, yeah, it, it was like a falling apart, but in a sense of what I understood as reality fell apart, you know? So my, we had this notion that our reality is, is real or is fundamentally the only reality that exists because we're conditioned to feel that way because we've been experiencing it every single day since we were babies. So naturally this information is coming into our, into our bodies through our sensory organs. You know, our, you, our body is just a, a sensory machine. We're interpreting information through our eyes and through our skin and through our nose, through our ears. And the, our mind is just taking that information and it's, it's mapping it to what it already understands about this reality or condition. Go ahead. Yeah. Or, or like the, the, the group dream of society or the dream of culture or the dream, whatever shared narrative we're, we're experiencing. Yeah. So and a defragment, essentially, you begin to, you stop seeing things as symbols or things having meaning, you no more meaning and no more separation, you know, so I was seeing dimensionally more than I ever had, but also recognizing that there was, it's all like just a matter of our brain trying to filter out information in order to create some sort of separation. So I would look out at the ocean and the ocean was just as close to me as the, like my feet, but I was maybe 50, 50 feet or so from the shore, but the water itself and the horizon itself was in my face. You know, like if I took a photograph of the ocean and printed it out and stared at it, it became one, one flat image, you know, so what was distant was here the same as what was close to me. So of course, like it started getting wrapped, my ability to hold on to reality was slip, kept slipping, kept slipping. And then I had to just, I pissed myself completely. Like I had let go completely of my, my ability to hold my, my piss. And (laughs) then that's when I, and I, and I had no desire to hold on to it. Yeah. And, and then that's when I, I rolled over onto my stomach and like, uh, I could see like in the sand, like each individual grain, like splitting and, and forming and then going deeper into my own mind. I, I started for the first time to unveil the ultimate infinite reality. At that time, it was, it was still child's play. I mean, compared to what I know now, to what I understand now what I was seeing. Go ahead. You didn't have words for it yet. So I didn't have words for it, but the level, the level of, of which, uh, uh, permanent reality was allowing me to see was still at a, uh, uh, superficial level. 
Yeah. You know, so I wasn't getting the whole picture yet because what I understand now of, of, you know, psychedelic plants and what I understand now of uh, consciousness is that, you know, you're only going to receive what you're capable of understanding, you know, or on some level, you know, maybe not you, you have to let go of the notion of intellectually understanding, like not logically understanding, but understanding, you know, here in your, in your heart, like, and energetically in a subconscious form, you know, it's kind of like being in you're, you're the, you're in like a big onion and the layers are slowly being peeled back and you're looking inward, not, not outward, you know? So it was giving me like just the next layer of information. Right. Were, you know, ge geometric, uh, geometric forms and shapes and, and colors that I've never seen. And, you know, basically witnessing like my nervous system is what I understand. The, what geometric sh forms are is the nervous system being represented visually to back to you. You know, you're kind of, you're seeing the inside of your nervous system. So that was kind of like the beginning, but uh now looking back you know it was almost it wasn't coincidence it was like do you believe in reincarnation me um, do you know yeah yeah you, at a moment by moment level i think everything like our brains were processing all external stimulus mm -hmm. it's, it's filtering through our perspective and being re-output in the form of something totally new mm -hmm. um Exactly. So in that sense, I would say I do in the sense that like the, mo the guy I was before this started is different than the guy I am right now. Yeah, we're always reincarnating uh, at just at different levels. You know, like our life, you can look at chapters of your life as reincarnation. You're, you're taking on new forms as you grow, you know, as, as we get, as we age, we are literally picking up new personalities and new, new ideas. And we're, we're, reshaping ourselves moment to moment but it almost felt like i was waking up to where i had left off in my prior physical form so like wherever i was in my last previous life i got to some point at the the connection uh of returning back to the source god you know and uh i i had just like mushrooms kind of came into my life at a point that i was able to understand that I was just picking up where I left off. Mm. So when I came down from that first experience, I recognized that I wasn't hallucinating, that I wasn't, I wasn't doing a, uh, I wasn't doing doing myself harm. That I had to explore further as to what it meant, like what did that experience mean, and what what does what does psilocybin mean. You know, what does that mean? And that's been the focus of my education now is, you know, researching psilocybin and other entheogenic plants such as, or, you know, ayahuasca and mescaline, but my focus is psilocybin. And it's to be able to understand it on a level much farther, farther than just the, its therapeutic use, like its ability to help with depression and PTSD, which are, are great and a, a massive stepping stone forward, but it's much, much deeper than that. It, it, that's just a very small aspect of what it can be. Um, so it really pushed me to like 
further my, my understanding. And I recognized that I was not going to get that here in the United States. So, um, I had to go search for it in a more natural environment where I could process information over many days in isolation and, and with people that have been doing this for thousands, you know, a lineage of people that have been doing this for thousands of years. And that's what led me to go to, to Peru along with some other coincidental things. I, I tore my knee. I, I was supposed uh, training jujitsu and I was supposed to go to Ecuador to visit my high school girlfriend. And the day before I was supposed to leave, I tore my knee and paralyzed myself. I couldn't go. I came back to Atlanta to have surgery and heal. And that kind of, I took all of that money and all those flights and it sent me to Peru eight months later, you know, and looking at that, I was like, Oh, that was supposed to happen. You know, I was not supposed to go see her. You know, I was, I was supposed to go do this. Right. Um, so, so, so you're 27, you take the, you take the psilocybin, that's your first time taking it. It was my, maybe my second time or third time, but the first two times was just, I was too young to, you know, I was like, just, I got high, you know, like, yeah. I mean, it felt great, but it wasn't, I didn't have the mind or, or the maturity and spiritual maturity to understand what was happening. You know, like I said, it, it only gives you what you, what you can handle. Right, right, right. And you, you know, also took like six grams. You took a shitload in that smoothie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Enough, enough to shut it down, you know, oh, enough yeah. to shut the ego down. So, so you're 27 there, and then you want to, you begin to explore more deeply about what this could, could be for you, and you, you get in touch with your high school girlfriend. The day before you're supposed to go visit, you, you injure yourself, you're out of jujitsu, you're, you're in surgery, you're back in Atlanta, and you spend eight months. What do you do for those eight months before you go to Peru? Well, I, it took me six weeks or so to heal from my injury. And I had kind of already started to understand that things in life were there to teach, teach us, you know, like to teach me. And I was trying to figure out why my knee why I hurt my knee. Like when I was 21, I had my, this guy broke my jaw at a bar and that like shot me down a whole path of martial arts. And, and then, so I kind of, you know, martial arts really grounded me in trying to understand what happens to us physically and, and a humbleness, you know, like to, to accept an acceptance of where I'm at, you know, I'm like, my knee's messed up. This has to be addressed before anything else can be addressed. Why is my knee messed up like what led my knee to breaking not the most mobile person not the most you know flexible and i'm doing a sport that puts a lot of pressure on my joints so i got got really involved in in yoga but in hatha yoga and like the, you know the, the physical part of yoga which is the, the stretching you know and the strength building so i went back to like work and my job at the time was I've been a photographer and um, I was, you know, at the beginning of my like photography career, working at a bar at the same time, juggling those two things, going to yoga, going to jujitsu. And then the research came and I started researching into like, how can I get a deeper experience as to what I was 
going through in, in a more in a safer environment. And that's what led me to discover ayahuasca and going to Peru for that. Right. I, I remember seeing you posted about it on Facebook a few times. Mm -hmm. I remember being fascinated about the, the journey. Uh, my, my experience was a little, you know, I, I fell into the whole racket of like escape in the form of substances. Mm -hmm. you know, so, so when I came to and when I woke up, um, the spiritual experience I had happened simultaneously, randomly on, on, a, on a totally normal day at the warehouse, stone okay. cold sober. I was a year and a half sober when I got hit with my, my, my mind yeah. blowed out and I feel, you know, totally interconnected with everyone that ever had and anyone who ever would exist along with nature itself, the cosmos mm -hmm. as, as, in, as it expresses itself. I felt this, um, this, this unity and this joy that just came from within my gut outwardly. And it was like, I cried for like 45 minutes and the way I perceived reality forever changed because it just like you, it, it, it disintegrated my sense of self essentially disintegrated. It ceased to exist. Wow. And I was left with this shell and the shell was receiving all these new thoughts and ideas I'd never had before of how, of how, yeah. you know, so it was, it was overwhelming to an extent. Of course. Uh, and then after the fact, and then, you know, I didn't know of, about yoga. I didn't know about meditation. I didn't know about mindfulness, all these things I had to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was 26 at the time when that happened. And one of the things that's interesting for me so far hearing your story is the, the adapt, adaptability that you seem to have adhered to in regards to your external circumstances. So you're, tw you're 21, you get your jaw broken. And your response is learn martial arts. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. you're 27, you get your, your knee goes out and you have this experience with, with that basically it's brought into a space of enlightenment mm -hmm. with the mushrooms. And it's like, okay, this is totally new frontier. Where can I go to explore this? Right. And even deeper than that, my, uh, you know, I was actually telling my mom this yesterday. My, my, my mom actually allowed me, after many years of her being very afraid of what I was doing, she, I, she finally accepted my help and I guided her through her first psilocybin experience. Uh, and she's 65 and I did her aunt, my, her sister and my aunt over Christmas, who's 75, very, both of them the first time ever. So I, I really felt this connection to God of like, I found a purpose I found a, a place that I can help facilitate the growth of people's consciousness through this medium. And all I have to do is, is create a space of safety and love and allow it to happen. It's, it's not me. I'm just the physical form that's giving this space, which Man, is beautiful. Like, but It's absolutely beautiful, dude. It's like a new age shamanism, dude. It's like... Exactly. We, we, it has, like you said, this, this, these plants and these medicines have been, have been used for the, this purpose since the dawn of human consciousness, so to say. But for some right. reason, our society or our culture, where there's still this uh, resistance or there's laws in place and there's things that people are afraid of what they don't know. And matter of fact, it, it's, it's, I mean, we want to become awake. We want to be open to what could be you know yeah and our whole lives were, were brought through a system that wants us to be cogs in a wheel of industry in a sense right and this is a new a totally new way of looking at 
at, at human potentiality and shift of perspective, essentially. Right. What would you, we, I want to I ask you this uh, about your career in photography, because you've, you've, you're very talented and- Thank you. Yeah, dude, you create beautiful pictures and, and the, the, what, the sense I can get from looking at it, when I see the photos that you take and the, and the way which you set, set the environment, it's not like you're just taking pictures, you're directing some sort of an expression. Yes. Could you describe that a little bit, how you got into that and like, what your relationship with it to it is today? Well, I mean, uh, the, are you, well, there's, you know, a couple different form, you know, things I like to shoot, but the geometric stuff, I think that's what you might be referring to where it's like, I'm setting up a whole like set design, you know, like uh, my buddy Travis and I are like literally building, you know, an environment and then we're using light in order to give it, dimension and depth and we're creating like a scene is that what oh, yeah. you're referring to like oh, yeah. the, the the pyramids and, and things like that oh yeah yeah i think it started of course well maybe not of course but it started with a vision you know like a literal vision um in your mind in my mind yeah and i and it was very a very real not not like not in the way we think of like, if I say, oh, think about a cheeseburger and you, you like have, you see it, you know, in your head, you, I, that's like, you're creating, you, you remember seeing a cheeseburger. So you're seeing that memory of it. Yeah. I'm talking about literally like my eyes are closed and I'm seeing this, this image as if I was watching TV, you know, as if, if as if it was on TV, you know, not just not, not, not like I, I imagined it. It, it was given to me, you know, it, I didn't create it at all, actually, you know, not the first one. It appeared in your, in your mind's eye, so to say, visually. Visually, like completely, like more real than reality, you know, more real than, and I was on an airplane and I was more real than the seat in front of me, if that makes sense. And it's a, it's the one of the, it's a cube and it's floating over this like lake and it like the backdrop is red and it's like kind of reminds me of like this 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 uh cube has you know has learned everything it could about this place and it has taken all its energy and all that's left is this like molten lake and then the fire of the sky behind it and it's leaving you know it's mm. it's it's being taken away or it's 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 leaving that planet uh, you'll have to pull it up if you. That's what uh, I'm, I'm writing it down because I'm going to get the link for it. I just, yeah, just my name MarkhamJenkins.com. Yeah, I'm going to throw it in here. Um, so, so you're sitting on a plane. Your eyes are closed. Yeah, I was just kind of like meditating, you know, which I seem to. It might, it's easy to meditate on a plane. How so? the sound and you're just in there, you know? So you're not like, you don't have to, I don't have to do as much, you know? I'm just like, I'm in this seat. I close my eyes. You have that hum of the plane and it just happens. You know, it's, it's much easier than for me to like at my house, like sit down on a cushion and, and try to meditate. I don't, I just, I don't even do that. Man, I'm the total, I'm the exact opposite. Really? Yeah, because for me, it's um, when I'm in movement, 
um, I'm so enamored by existence of like the fact that I can't get over the fact that we're flying thousands of feet above the ground. Like, right. It's very difficult for me to get in touch with my inner resources when mm. externally things are in, in motion. Sure. Um, matter of fact, a lot of times I, f I feel the mo I'm actually learning now with my meditative practice, how to, how to, how to be still that's kind of new for me. Okay. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and then also closing my eyes. I've been practicing that too, because I've always done open eyed meditation. Okay. So, okay. so when you're on the plane, how, how soon into it do you start to visualize? Cause I mean, well, walk me through what your mind is doing when you decide to close your eyes on the plane to meditate. Like, what is it that you're hoping to, is there anything you're aiming at or like, what is the experience? It's more of like, I'm trying to rest. So my, my mind isn't set on meditating. My mind is set on resting. So I close my eyes to rest, but because I'm still aware because I'm in a, I'm on a plane, you know, so I'm aware of like that I'm sitting in a chair and there's people around me and I don't fall asleep. So I, without trying, fall into a meditative state and I catch myself in it rather than I realize at the end that I was meditating. Got it. In meditation in the sense that I'm, I'm connecting deep within myself. That's beyond like mental thoughts. I'm not thinking anymore, but I'm not asleep. A total state of relaxation. Right. And when you're in this, in this space, you essentially experience a dreamlike vision. Right. And that vision was this photograph. Exactly. It was, it was like a scene, you know, like it was real. Like I was witnessing another place, another planet, you know, in another dimension. I was seeing this as, as that's real, that's happening. And I'm, I'm tapped into it. Um, my consciousness is capable of tapping into another dimension. You know, it sounds crazy, but, and, and, and that's, that's rare without the use of psychedelics, but, but you, and I, I think you weren't uh, on psychedelics at the time though. No, no. So, so what, what about it was, cause a lot of times for me, I'll experience something and I'll, embody the experience so much i don't i don't I, I can never cultivate a reason to try to communicate it like if it's something profound okay what was it about the vision where you were like i want to recreate this when did it after it was over how did you feel what did you automatically know you were going to do something to try to recreate it or yeah I, like i i drew it on my my hand you know like very very simple it was just like a circle and a square and I, and I, and I was like, remember this, you know, like, don't forget this. <laughs> and then I said, why not, why not try, you know, like I'm in, what is art, you know, and art is communication that's beyond words. Well, there's art with words, but visual art is beyond words. So I thought I'm not a good painter, but I understand photography, you know, and I missed playing in a band, you know, I missed, you know, co collaborating. 
So I just started to reach out to people and be like, hey, I had this idea. It's this cube and it's floating. I was talking a lot about it at the bars. And then like my friend uh, Brandon was like, I'll weld that cube for you and I'll build that sphere for you. I know I can figure that out. And I was like, okay. And he's like, I'll do it. And then like two weeks later, he shows up with this huge cube made out of just <laughs> sh shitty pieces of sheet metal. You know, it looked, it looked terrible. It wasn't like this, whoa, like kind of, it didn't, the, the cube itself didn't look like something you would like put in a gallery itself. But I was like, I can work with that, you know? So I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm, my buddy Travis, he's an art installator. He installs art, like fine art all over the country with a company, like big, they need like huge machinery to like put this stuff up, like in parks and, you know, big sculptures. So he's helping me and we're like putting the cube up. And then my roommate at the time, this photographer, Sam, we're living in this giant 2,400 square foot loft. That was just this huge open air, like had 25 foot ceilings. So we could do like anything we wanted in there. And he was like, why don't you put something like reflective underneath? And I'm like, okay. So we had this roll of mylar, which is like aluminum. Uh, like it looks like, you know, really shiny reflective paper. So we slid that underneath it. And then I, I saw it. I was like, holy shit, that's it. You know, that's what I saw. Like exactly like that. I saw this sphere orbiting this cube and it was like levitating over this body of water. The reflection was there. And then I just started to play with light, you know, moving the strobe around to try to see like how I could create the angle. And then it just happened. And I was like, that's it. Shoot it. You know, take a picture. Dude. Um, that's so cool. Uh, I mean, it's, I, I experienced those weird synchronistic, like, oh shit, the thing that's, it's, it's almost as if things happen on their own. Yeah, exactly. It's not me, you know, it's not me. It's just, I'm a, I'm getting out of the way. You know, you have a thought, you're like, uh, I shouldn't eat that. And then you eat it whatever it is, you are getting in the way of yourself. You're being blasphemous towards yourself. You are not respecting your own intuition. Your intuition says, don't eat that. And you eat it anyway. So you lower your conscious, your, your conscious level. You, your consciousness gets knocked down because you're not listening to it. Your consciousness is like, Hey, don't eat that. I, my, I'm vibrationally here. That food is down here. Yeah. Don't eat that. And then you eat it and it's like, ah, you know, you just put me down here. And that's, that's happening all day long to everybody. You know, you hear everyone say like, ah, yeah, I drank three too many beers last night. I knew I shouldn't have done that, but I did it. And so you're, you know, that, that's the opposite end is. We're listening to the egoic mind rather than our, our essential self, so to say. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Our spirit, our our actual self, you know, whatever you like to call it. But yeah, I try to, a lot of, I try to on the, um, do like higher self, lower self. There's like the lower self's like the lower mind, the thinking intellectual mind. Right. And anything right. that it's telling you is not helpful. No, you know? it really isn't. No intellect just gets in the way. 
you know. And that literally happened to me today. I was like, this morning, I was like, I was about to make a third cup of coffee and, and I went to go to the kitchen to do it. And then my body was like, you don't want or need a third cup of coffee and you're only doing this because, and then as I was saying that in my head, I stopped and filled my coffee cup with water. It was like, we nice. should just be drinking water. Right. Yeah, dude, it's fucking crazy. It happened, uh, like, uh, I quit smoking cigarettes a while ago, and I remember I was walking into a gas station, and I was walking in, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to buy a pack of cigarettes in here. And I, like, I stopped. I was like, you don't want that. You really don't. And then I walked around. I didn't even go in the gas station. I said, fuck that. I'm just going to go use the phone. Had a great conversation with someone over the phone that was like it was – you know, it's a, those weird moments when you're aligned with someone or you experience a truth that you did not expect, you know, that was one of those phone calls. It was like, dude told me on the phone straight up that I wasn't crazy. You know, I thought, I, I'd thought, you know, I thought that I had led one of my um, sponsees in a wrong okay. way. Okay. You know, he'd asked me, he'd asked me if he had relapsed. Okay. And I don't, I don't, uh, and my truth is I can never tell someone something like that. I can only help them question it for themselves and come to their own answers. Mm -hmm. And by the third time he asked me over the phone after trying to work with him for 20 minutes, I was like, yeah, bro, you relapsed. And I felt terrible about it. You know? Right. And so when I talked to my sponsor on the phone, I, I, I would have gone inside the gas station and got and just smoked cigarettes and escaped. My, yeah. my lower mind would have just gotten the distraction. But instead, I went around the corner and just so luckily, happy enough, I was like, I'll just call my sponsor and run this by him. And I learned, yeah, I made a mistake and uh, it's okay. You know, like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing that threw me for a loop was everybody I was with on that trip, because um, the, all the people around me were telling me that I did the right thing. That's what was fucked up. Like everybody around the meeting I was at, everybody that was in the uh, van and on the uh, work in the film production and, and they were also in recovery. They were like, bro, you tell them when they relapse, you have to tell them when you relapse. And I knew that was not my truth. And mm -hmm. I did not expect my sponsor to align with that. You know, I thought he was going to be like, yeah, sometimes you got to do it. But he was like, nah, bro, you never know for anyone. You help them learn for themselves. Right. We don't know other people we think we have an idea of what is right and what is wrong, but we, we really don't. We are just, we can't force what we think on to others. No matter how much we believe we know, because we don't. Mm -hmm. I, and I only know somebody for who they are in that moment that I'm with them at that specific time. Because whatever happened before that, I wasn't there to witness. So that's not who they are. It's like, it's like the Yelp problem, you know, like you read a review about a restaurant on Yelp and the person had a horrible experience, but, but that's not the present experience of you in the restaurant. That's that person's experience in the past somewhere. It doesn't exist for us anymore. It's only that, that moment. So I think when we're trying to help people, all we need to do is create a space for them to figure themselves out. Absolutely. You know, 
So, so, so you're, so you're 27, 28 now ish, and you're going to Peru. Maybe it was, I think it was a little later than that. I think 30. You, you broke your, you broke your leg or you injured your leg and you're out for eight months. You're supposed to see your, I injured my leg much later, you know, than 27. I must've been like 29, you know, cause I went to the first time I went to Peru was 30. Was 30 years old and you're 30, I just turned yeah. 30 31 I either turned 31 or 30 I turned 31 I turned 31 while I was there so yeah in my 30s in January of my 30th year I hurt my leg I hurt my knee and I was supposed to go visit my ex-girlfriend in Ecuador I was also going to go visit this other chick in Mexico and it was just going to be this like primal like sex fueled vacation you know and 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 with with my ex-girlfriend i was trying to see if there was anything there she had changed a lot but it wasn't there it wasn't it wasn't meant to be and i'm so glad that it didn't happen you know because it it opened the door to this self this this adventure this solo adventure into the uh, the deep amazons to learn about myself you know to figure out who i was and to heal from very deep rooted traumas, you know, and that's when I started to, to really understand what trauma is, what physical pain is and what, when we're hurt, where does that come from? How does that relate to trauma and how is that a part of our experience and how can we heal ourselves? And when I learned from ayahuasca was that there it's a, it's a surgeon of a different type. You know, we, we think we're hurt in the physical realm, but we could actually be damaged on another realm. There, like we have la- trauma and karma or lacerations and scars on our mind. It's imprinted on our mind. It's just we can't see that. It's, it's in another dimension of ourselves. And you need a different doctor to, to help you with that. You can't heal that with a knife, you know, in, in an injection. Or a or medication, you know, I, to me, uh, psilocybin, ayahuasca, we, we call them medicines, but they're actually chemical keys. They're opening doors to other dimensions. They're opening our consciousness to accept information from another place. And this can happen naturally. It doesn't have to be done with, with ayahuasca. It can be done completely sober, but you're going to need a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of discipline to be able to reach that level of consciousness on your own and i just uh, the majority of us in our lives we don't we were too weak to do that we need some help and i was too weak to do that ayahuasca psilocybin have opened my mind to what the possibilities are and now i'm filling in the gaps on a daily basis you know what can i do on my day to i can't drink ayahuasca every day i can't trip on mushrooms every day what but what can i do you know what 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 can i do to get me there to where that part of my mind is now open permanently it's not i don't need i don't need that key anymore i can just oh access it myself right yeah well so how do you what what would you say you do some things uh, throughout the day to do that do you have a Sort of well, it le- well, yeah, I mean, it led me, well, those, 
these. So um, I read a book called The Psychedelic Experience by Timothy Leary uh-huh. and Ram, Ram Das. I don't know if you know who Ram Das is. Oh, yeah. Before he was on, you know, so they're like these pioneers in the 60s. And they basically translated uh, an old book called The Tibetan Book of the Dead, yep. which is a manuscript for altered states of consciousness and the process of dying. So when people die, like in Eastern culture, it's a, the, the act of death is a very, like, it's a very uh, important time period in a person's development and a spirit's de- development. You can drastically change the course of that spirit's direction by how they die. And it's very important to help that person achieve the highest level of consciousness possible in the time of death. It's like you're like trying to orient the person up or down, you know, like how, where are they going to eject from their body? And in in Hinduism, you know, they, they talk about the nine gates and the nine gates are the nine orifices of the body that the spirit can leave at the time of death. And if you come out your head, your crown, you act, you're, you're going to God, you're going to the source. If you come out your ass, you're going down, you're going down in consciousness. You can be like an insect or like a, or like a bug or something. Yeah. Or just even a, a more ignorant person. Yeah. You know, you can be born into ignorance. So it's very important to help that person because, you know, death is a difficult experience. So the Tibetan Book of the Dead is this manuscript to help teach, help people. And you can do it in many ways. You can simulate it. You can simulate death through altered states of consciousness, which is what we call ego death. Or it's literally these passages are read over a dead person right when they die. And for a number of days, you know, as the consciousness is trying to figure itself out, you know, you're kind of like, you're like the, the, the walkthrough that you would use in a video game. You know, you're like, you want that walkthrough. It's going to help you not go down the wrong paths. So, and that's what the Tibetan book of the dead is. It essentially helps people walk through their passage into the next, uh, the next life. Yeah. You know, literally, and and because it's such an intense experience, and through my usage of psychedelics, like smoking DMT, especially, you know, when you smoke DMT and you have this breakthrough experience with with dimethyltryptamine, it gives you the, the the notion that the intensity of what is outside of this physical reality is beyond your ability to handle it if you're not prepared for it. You know, we're fortunate that if we, if I smoke DMT, I'm opening this dimension. I'm, I'm, my consciousness is, you know, kind of like seeing this other place, but it's like attached to my physical body. My heart's still beating. So it, it's not going to get stuck up there. It's going to come back. My brain is actively fighting it. It's enzymes are just deliberately chewing up dimethyltryptamine. So it goes away. So I, the gate closes and I come back. But at the time of death, your body shut down. You know, you're receding into yourself. Your eyes don't work. Your skin doesn't work. Your blood's not circulating. You lose hearing. But what happens to your consciousness? It's no longer receiving information. And now it's like, it's, disor- it's disoriented. You know, it's like, where am I? 
I'm still inside this body, but I cannot see, I can't hear, I can't feel, but something is getting, can get in there. Something as it's slowly, like things are getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. You know, what is meditation for? It's the practice, you close your eyes, you're losing awareness of this reality. You're training yourself to die. That's what meditation is. It's the practice of shutting down your senses so that you can feel your consciousness untethered to your physical self. Does that make sense? Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Lee referred to it as the void. And, and, and the, the idea is that I put up a post on the website the other day, uh, teach me how to die so I can learn how to live. Okay. Yeah, essentially, exactly. It's, it's essentially what we want to do. We want to die to the moment, die to who we think we are, die to who we think everything is. Yes. What I'm, what I'm super fascinated about is I'm still, I'm still on the, I guess, the surface level meditation where I'm just aware that I'm not any of the things I'm experiencing inwardly or outwardly that, mm -hmm. that, on the, a totality of, of cosmic consciousness. Uh, what, explain to me, I, I, don't, I don't know, dude. I don't, uh, don't explain anything. It's just, what, everything you just shared is fucking blowing my mind. Um, to go deep, to meditate is to die. Can you talk more about that? Like how, how one would begin that process? Like if I'm here on the surface level where I'm just like, Everything's fucking crazy. It's crazy that I exist all the time. Mm -hmm. How do I go deeper? Well, you know, my fiance, you know, the th she had never done a, we met. I knew she was the one. And like the third time we hung out. Yeah, because I had consciously willed her to cross. Like we crossed because I was, I started to understand how, how it works. You know, I started to, formulate the path to meet her you know so when i met her i was like oh it worked you know not that she didn't have anything to do with it because she does and it's it's an equal you know it's it's an equal force you know it's two magnets that are meant to join finding and but the third time that we met she was willing to to take a very high level of psychedelics with me and she had never done this before in her life. Um, and that opened her up. So like, again, I, I witnessed her open up to where she was in whatever past life. Like she met herself and who she truly is and where she's spiritually at, like right then and there. Hmm. But what I learned through this, the psychedelic experience and using the book in psychedelic states of consciousness is that once I, once I understood the book, I started to simulate my death. So every time that I take mushrooms now, I die every time. Like, I know it's coming. Like, I'm laying there, my, the bot, my, I can, I can feel my ego trying to, to resist, you know, the fear comes up. I start sweating. My, I get nauseous. Things are, moving around my body. It's like trying to run away from the inevitable simulation of my death. And I get better and better at it, but I start to let go more and more and more. And I'm like my ego self, my conscious self, I keep saying, don't interfere, like let it happen, let go, let go. And then 
the visions start coming at me. You know, I start seeing the entities of up there or down there, whatever. They come to me. They pull me out. I, I literally can see my astral self being ripped out of my chest in my head. Like, it, no, shit you not. Like, the, it's, it's like watching, you know, a cutscene in, in like a really high-tech video game. You know, like, it's that real. You know, like, the, the imagery of it is so real. And I can feel this removal of something being removed from me. And it's, it, it's me. It's this, this other shape. And they're like, they're observing it. They're looking at it and they're taught, they're talking amongst each other. And it's like thunder and Zeus and Jesus and all this shit, you know, I, it's, it's beyond words, you know, I can try to describe, but anyways, the better I've been getting at it, like the more I know how to let go, the more, the more it tests me with, what the Tibetans call the levels of the bardos, which are like levels of consciousness outside of physical form where you become tested. It's, it's literally uh, the ultimate game. You're, you're presented with challenges that you created yourself. All of your karma, all of your, all of your desire, all of your karma is like, like in your face. It's looking at you and it's in the form of these entities, whether it's, looks like Buddhas and Shivas and weird esoteric creatures or like even robots and futuristic looking stuff. And it's literally like testing you like in the only button you would just have one button and it's like mashing this button. And the button is don't get in the way. Like don't stop the process. Don't, don't go like this. You know, don't, don't be afraid of it. Don't say no, no, no. Cause that no, no, no means you're not ready shove you back in the body, you know, let's put you back on earth. You haven't learned. You're still afraid. You're not willing to accept what this all, what this is all about. But as I've learned to let go, the imagery gets deeper, gets more rich, gets more vibrant, gets more uplifting until I start getting into like this Christ consciousness mode where I start living out lifetimes and I, I feel like a cow and I'll start like eating the floor and I'll, I'll start eating like I'll make horse noises and cow noises and I, I just let it happen. You know, I, I, I don't get in my way. I don't get in the way. I just, I'm like, I don't know. Consciously I'm in there somewhere and I'm like, dude, you're, you're munching the hardwood floor as if it's grass, you know? And I'm going, <laughs> and then consciously I'm like, bro, you're a cow right now. Go with it. Just be a cow, you know, let it do its work. You know, it's, it's facilitating something within me. It's allowing me to experience. It's allowing me to live lifetimes and I'm not getting stuck. Cause then I start thinking, I'm like, what if I stop in this moment? What if this was real? What if this wasn't a simulated death? Would I be, would I become this cow like in my next life? Because I got stuck in it because I wasn't willing to be one. Huh? So I will go through these process, this, this process of even being other people, you know, being, you know, very, very much like living out the life of an ignorant person and witnessing what it feels like to feel stupid. And I mean, like not being able to understand things. And, and we're all at a, a level of consciousness where at some time, some point we didn't understand things. Right, right. Like 
I, I try to tell my mom, mom this all the time because she's so against Trump and Trump supporters. And I totally get it. And I'm with her on a lot of things. But at the same time, I'm like, mom, when you say what's wrong with these people, I try to tell her like, people are not you. Not everyone understands concepts the way that you understand. People are acting off of very low vibrational consciousness, fear, you know, anxiety, you know, sadness. They don't, they don't have pain, anger. They, they're, they're still in that, that level. They haven't reached your level of understanding. They haven't reached the level of consciousness of love and self-love and courage and grace. And, you know, they're not there yet. You have to, you have to, you have to meet them where they are. And in being able to feel that, quite literally feel that, it gives me this insane respect and empathy for where I am and where I came from and where other people are at. And that acknowledgement always leads me to this like Christ conscious level where I see Jesus Christ. And I'm not a, I'm not a Catholic or a Christian like I not I, I never found myself to be one but it's just what happens to me and and it's like he's my guru you know it's like this form appears it's definitely Jesus Christ it's it's beyond doubt I see his form I feel his energy which that motherfucker's a badass like his strength like I can feel my muscles literally like rah, like I feel this <laughs> seriously jacked dude like this feeling of complete control and strength of love and it's like i witnessed this and i'm like oh. i'm like sucking in all this chi you know all this prana's like <laughs> and then it's like boom it hits me with this like blessing and i start singing and i start chanting and i'm like you know, I start like moving like this and I'm like, like it just starts, I just start spitting game, like spitting rhymes, but in, you know, in syllables. And I, and I do this with my fiance, like on, together we're doing this, you know, and we're both having our own experience, but then we start coming together and we start like holding each other and we start like expressing love. It's like we're squeezing this towel and wringing out like, conscious love out just just to be clear you're talking about an ayahuasca trip psilocybin psilocybin okay yeah but 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 i mean it could happen on that too you know i mean it's yeah i i just i want to give people the perspective that may be listening uh while you're describing a lot of these things these aren't these it's not you're not describing a normal conscious day in your life you're describing an experience I'm describing an experience yeah that I'm willing to do like it's always it's it seems predetermined that I'm going to I don't just eat mushrooms to eat them you know like I don't I don't just like randomly decide on the weekend I'm going to pop some in my mouth it's like this feeling comes about and it's like I think it's time to do this and then it's a whole process you know there's and in that about, what about the time between the interval between so like uh, you just mentioned, you'll, you'll visualize and embody uh, Jesus himself, like you, the God consciousness of the omnipotence of, of yeah, yeah, yeah. love. 
and you can feel it in your bones and your flesh and you're energized. Does that, are you able to summon that throughout the intervals between use of these, uh, of the psychedelics? No, no. I mean, I bring a little bit of it back with me, you know, once the experience is over. So the end of the experience is like some sort of like process happened, some sort of purification process happened to me, happens to me. I, I, I allow this to, I allow suffering to happen. I feel the pain. I feel the, all, all these things, you know, and then it kind of rewards me for that. And then I, I have to go through this. I get really contemplative, like every time, like then I'm like, this is what deep meditation feels like. I'm my hips completely open up. I'm sitting in like a Lotus pose and I'm like, you know, my hands are like, you know, doing the mudra and I'm, I can feel my brain re like upgrading. It's like, I have to start making all these choices of like who I'm going to be, like how I'm going to act. So after, after the experience, you start uh, reintegrating, reintegrating what you've learned. Right. Exactly. But at the end of the experience, you know, it's still like, like this, I can feel these waves of, it's extremely intense and I have to be very uh, focused and very like very willing to participate on a, on, on a primal level. Like I have to engage my, my body, you know, I have to sit up straight. I have to squeeze. I start to do the, the yogic breathing, the breath of fire, which is the. So so now you're talking about routines that you'll do outside of the experience. This is still, this is still the experience. It's still like, it's, it's, it's like, I learn all this stuff and then it's like downloading into me, you know, like I went through this experience. I went through it and the very end of it, it's like, it's all coming. It's like, you've leveled up, you know? And it's like that, that scene in like the video game where it's like showing your experience bar go up and then you have to choose. Yeah. And you have to choose like how you're going to use the skill points you just earned. Yes. Yes. You're sitting there and you're like, man, should I, should I become like physically stronger? Should I, agility or like intelligence? Like, what am I going to do with these points I just acquired? And you're kind of like, you have to make that decision. So that's what's happening. I'm like sitting there and I'm like sweating and I like went through this purification process. Like a lot of gunk comes out of my nose. And then I have to like, I can feel myself saying like, I'm going to speak only the truth. I'm going to only act from my heart. I'm not going to let my intellect get in my way. I'm going to do things. So that's what I'm interested in. The continuation of life after the experience is how you take those nuggets of truth. For me, it feels like a full-time job, like straight up all day, every day. Never ends. Yeah. I'm like, I want to honor my truth as often as I possibly can. And I want to let what wants to happen, happen through me. Right. So in essence, I'm literally waiting for myself to act without thinking. And that's what I do all day. Right. And that is meditation. This is, this is actually meditation is what you're, what you're saying is in the Bhagavad Gita, which is an excellent uh, text. Huh? The Hindu Bible. Right. And it's, and it's a very small, it's like a, like the commandments, you know, and it, it literally says, 
all day long, be with God. Whatever you are doing, communicate with God in your mind. Like, don't ever let him out of your sight. Don't ever do something for just yourself. Like, if you're cooking, you're cooking with him. If you're eating, you're eating with him. If you're doing any task, you're doing with him. You're not doing it for yourself. And your results don't ever matter. The only thing that matters is your experience. And the more you practice that, the closer you will get. And you will get to a point that you will sit down and what is, what is happening to me under the influence of psychedelics will happen to you naturally. And I'm working towards that too. So the, yes. I'm integrating the experience by saying like, fuck, every time I sit down to eat, I'll start eating and I'll be like, I didn't ask, I didn't ask God to come eat with me. Right. God, I, I'm sorry. Come eat with me. You but know, that's another, that's another layer of, of, godliness is the pure the purity of action without thought as well yeah so so to allow ourselves to do without like letting us be in the crease of collective conscience rather than necessarily honoring it it's a a weird bounce back and forth (sighs) yeah it's so hard it's so hard to understand you know to find the groove yeah i mean it's and it's one of those things that like I've had to learn how to be human, learn how to let myself rage sometimes, learn how to let myself make mistakes, learn how to, you know, take an action that's egoic based where my thought, I get fearful, anxious, and afraid. And I reach out to someone who I probably shouldn't reach out to for for Mm -hmm. comfort. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't wait to really process through the emotional state and understand it on a deeper level. Instead, I did the easy thing or the comfortable thing, you know, And, and for, as simple as like deciding not to get the cigarette instead go use the phone. It's like little things like that all day long. It's like we can let ourselves make mistakes. It's part of the process of becoming. Yes. Um, the thing that's fascinating to me is that, you know, when the COVID hit, the COVID hit coincided with the release of our, our last record. And it was like, I, we just finished it. And it was, I don't know when the COVID hit, it was like, Oh my God, um, I've got this time right now to be with myself and nothing I've done has provided any sustainable contentment for me. None of the music, none of the podcasting, none of the videos, none of the writing, none of the app development, none of the social network, none of, none of this stuff has provided a sustainable contentment. So when the COVID hit, it was like, I went balls deep into some meditation and some uh, mysticism, dude. Like all I did all day was sit in my backyard, read mystic texts, and then just like, uh, you know, I would go for a run and come back. I'd read, I'd listen to how I'm thinking. I would call people, I'll talk to people, but like literally that was it. I literally just meditated my state myself into a state of, well, I don't know how to say it, but something happened a few weeks ago where I had like a mental breakdown. Okay. And I had a mental breakdown because I couldn't believe that life has felt so good for so long. Okay. It doesn't, it didn't seem fair to me. It didn't, seem, it didn't seem fair. I, I don't know. It just didn't, I was like, cause every time people would ask me what I'm doing or where I'm at and every day, I don't really know, you know, like one day I'm in fucking Portland, Oregon. The next day I'm in Montana. Then I'm in Yellowstone. Then I'm in Wyoming. Then I'm in Boston. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know. And I'm doing cool shit. And like, I'm telling people and they're just like, everyone's like, what the fuck? 
I, I, it was like I had this breakdown because I felt guilty. I was like, okay. I was like, life can't really feel this okay, you know? Um, and then it was, I don't know, it was just um, people around me was like, it, it is okay. And I had to kind of reframe my perspective a little bit, you know, because part of the issue, part of the meditative practice for me is dumbing oneself down. Like it's, it's right. a, about how much I don't know and being able to tap into that inner child, so to say. It's like, let yourself dance in the backyard if you want to dance. Yes. Yeah. So you, you can't, you can't be, go ahead. I don't have a thought. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, so it was like people around me were like telling me it's okay, essentially, you know, like, and I don't know. I just, I just, um, I was so used to waking up in pain and so used to, to, I guess, a state of grief or, or, or waves of, of depress, depression mixed with high excitement that when I started really learning about this mystic path or this, or this mindful path and this meditative path, that I, really start, that I really start experiencing what these ancient masters have been teaching, which is... Mm -hmm happiness itself is an internal experience and it does not matter what the fuck's going on around you. Right. Um, right. So it was just, it's just been a real trip, dude, because, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, the, the way I had to reframe it in my perspective, cause you know, there's the land, there's the land of the, uh, of the sage, which is where I like to exist in where it's just me and, and the universe itself and this, in this, warm embrace and life is just glittering all around you know then there's the land of the living or some would say the land of the dead of society right mm -hmm. there's the, the dream the dream or the or the collective confusion that is human existence on this planet and uh i've had to reframe my narrative because because i forget things so easily i don't think about what i've done in the past i'm always focused on the moment that's what i've been training my mind to do and it occurred mm -hmm. to me and people ask me, how are you doing what you're doing and, and all this stuff that the narrative at which I need to express this is I spent a year and a half grinding and saving money. So I don't need money. Mm -hmm. So in, in essence, I don't know if you've ever read the alchemist, but in the, Al in the alchemist, the story is just about this boy who just wants to see the pyramids. He wants to go to Egypt and see the pyramids. And it's about his journey towards making enough money to get to Egypt is essentially what it is. He, he works all these odd jobs in these different towns on his way to Egypt so he can afford to get there. And um, that's essentially it. It was like once I decided I wanted to go on to the dream of this life, and I remember, I remember a year and a half ago, I listened to The Alchemist and was like, that's it. I'm just going to start saving all my money. If nothing works out with music, nothing works out with the app, nothing works out with writing, I'm just going to have this, this stash. I'm going to go to fucking Egypt, dude. So fast forward a year and a half, and here I am with this stash, but with no desire to go to Egypt. It's like, I just want to go where the God or the universe wants to take me. Yeah. And I have this freedom of being able to do it because I, I just stuck it out and grinded for a year and a half. And that's how I've had to communicate it to people who are like, you know, who think I'm doing things more than I actually am. It's like, no, dude, I'm just a normal dude who decided to save his money for a year and a half to figure out who was lucky enough to be hit with the COVID so we could figure out who he really is. Right. Same. Well, 
I, you know, my, my, my fiance, Beth, um, you know, she, she was in a, a tough spot because she, she loved the art of ballet, but the culture of it is so poisonous. It's so detrimental to her growth and to all of their growth. And it was drastically hindering her. And I could, I could see how the manipulation of that culture was blinding her to her, her ability to, to blast off, to be like, she's going to be like insane, you know, like her, her capabilities are just when she finally locks into her solar plexus and her strength, like she's going to be unstoppable. But for so many years, she's been like told she's basically a piece of shit, you know, and like never going to be good enough that when coronavirus hit, I was like, this is my opportunity to get us out of this situation because coronavirus, you know, we were in Chicago in a small apartment with three other people. Like it didn't seem like being in that city was going to be go over very well. And I'm like, my parents have this great house in Georgia. Like let's go down there, you know, and, and, and see what it's all about. And I need to focus on school. You want to be a doctor like let's go down there and just kind of like vibe it out and it, and it took her a while to like I think she went through the same sort of experience with her with that she went through in the sense that like my parents offered to take us in while while we're back in back at school and to know with no financial like obligations but on the on the on the other side like I'm doing we're doing great things for them. My mom just had hip surgery, hip replacement. They're alone here. You know, like we bring a lot of life to the house. We're helping out. We're, I'm cooking a lot. She's cooking a lot. And she's also, she knows anatomy very well. You know, being a dancer, she's a Pilates teacher, yoga teacher. So she's doing a lot for my mom. But while we were back in Chicago to pick up the rest of her things, she said, you know, I get really upset and ashamed when you tell people how great it is to be living at your mom's house and how that we're taking care of there. And we had this like intense discussion about acceptance of where we're at and that you can't be ashamed or, and guilty for the gifts that you're given. You have to honor them and respect them and utilize them to the best of your ability. And if you're honoring it and respecting it, you're not taking advantage. I was like, we're not taking advantage of my parents. My parents, we're, we're getting a, it's an even trade here. Like finances are fine for them. That, that us eating in the house and like taking showers and sleeping downstairs is not influencing their bank account. But what we are influencing is their minds, their hearts. We're bringing new ideas. My mom allowed me to trip with her, to trip with her, and to open her mind. Like I'm, you're providing therapy for her for her leg. We're we're nursing them back to health. We're giving them support. Like this is mutual. In, enjoy it. The the worst thing you can do is be ashamed about it. That is disrespectful to my parents, you know. Did you ask her where the shame came from or why she was ashamed? 
her own upbringing, you know, and her own, you know, her own culture with her, with her parents. And, and she left home when she was 14 and went to New York city <clears throat> to pursue ballet. I mean, with the, with the financial capabilities of her mother, but she just doesn't, you know, unfortunately, you know, America compared to like my Brazilian roots, you know, family, it's like you stick together, you, you help each other and there's no shame in like being with each other and living with each other. It's, mm. it's kind of an American thing where we we're like, can't go home. But I, I think coronavirus has really changed a lot of people's minds. Cause I know a lot of people who have moved back in with their parents. I mean, dude, I just, the way I got over it long ago was I was like, man, if I had kids, I'd want them around, dude. I'd want to hang with them. Like, I, especially just as I'm learning about, just to get back to the kind of the woo talk of it, but we consciously decide our reality. Like my parents would not offer a space if they didn't want me around. Right. 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 So it's like learning how to, this is one of the best things ever that I learned how to do is like learning how to accept a gift. Right. Right. It's very hard for people. It is. It's like, you know, people, we, I know when I give someone something, I don't want anything in return. As a matter of fact, it's the best when someone just says, thanks, I'll take the front seat or thanks. I'll have that yeah. chicken wing. It's like, just take it. Like, yeah, you have a space, you know? Exactly. And, and I, I learned to do it 110%. Like the idea of family, you know, is, is what we want it to be. Like I, I, I know not only with Brazilian, but, um, uh, Mexican families also is like the grandparents stay with the parents, stay with the kids through the whole uh, process of growing up. Like you, gr I would, I would have loved to grow up with my grandparents in the house, you know, like the idea that we should all be in separate boxes doesn't make sense to me. No, it's, it, that's consumerism. You know, that's, that's the evil side of, of capitalism, you know, by, mine 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 this is my stuff this is my space this is what only for me 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 and then you end up with a lot of sick lonely people because mm. they separate themselves and it's you know and keep continuing with like your your you know consciousness and gifts it's like oh, we just went to san antonio where her family's from she's still there but i was there for two weeks and her mom's a dentist and I hadn't been to the dentist in like three years. <laughs> so she's What's like, come, call, by the way, <laughs> yeah. she's like, come, come to the office, you know, like, let's take care of your teeth. Let's clean them up and everything. Dude, I had nine cavities mm. and, and she, she filled them all, you know, and a couple of them were like almost root canals. And I, I just looked and I suffered. It hurt. I'm still like, it's still painful because it was okay. so much work, but what a gift in the universe, like saving me because I went there to be with her family and to cook for her mom. Like her mom was so excited. Cause I, you know, I, I ran a, I helped run a small cater private, like high end catering company for a while in Chicago. And I learned how to cook pretty well. So like, she was all excited that I was there and I cooked for her and, you know, entertained her and it, and also like went and spent a lot of time with her dad, who's also on like a really big spiritual journey. And, you know, it's like, they gave me great gifts of like taking, healing me, healing my mouth, healing my body. Her dad's a rolfer, which is a type of uh, myofascial, you know, uh, manipulation 
and he, he like jujitsu is like totally just crushed my body. So he, for two weeks, like it's, it's a $200 a session at, like experience. And this dude just went to town on like realigning my body for free. But in return, like I sent him like a beautiful photograph of Peru of the Amazons. And I, we talked about martial arts cause he's done Aikido for most of his life. And we like engage in spiritual conversation, you know, like, I'm like, this is what happens when we, when we accept with love and we give love, you know? Yeah. Things, an infinite just, resource. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're not a part of it, then you're only, all you have is just the, the shitty amount of energy that you got. And I, t- I try to, I try to say this to a lot of people, but like nobody remembers what you give them or what you did or didn't do. We remember how people help us feel. Yes, exactly. Like, I'm sure there's things that are going to linger on from this conversation. Well, first of all, I'm, I can't wait to listen back to it, to re, to re-listen to to all the stuff earlier just so I can process it more. But I know how I felt. Like I know how I felt in this moment sharing this conversation with you. And it's, it's, it's literally giving me reservoirs of, of, I can feel it, inspirational type motivation to continue the path, whatever that path may turn into that like, it is to get out there. It's okay to get out there, like Mm -hmm. to lose our minds. Like, yes, because we don't need them anyway, dude. Like, things we don't on their own when i my clients like everyone that comes to me for a guided you know experience psychedelic experience i always tell them i'm like there is nothing that you can possibly do in in the next five hours that i haven't experienced myself or that i haven't seen like you could rip all your clothes off and piss all over the floor (laughs) and it would not phase me and I would welcome it completely. I want you to forget that you're, do not allow any sense of like embarrassment or shame mess up your experience. I am here. Go ahead. Can I ask you something a little personal? Sure. So when you, when you went down to Peru and those, the last couple of years before now, you yeah. started peeling back that onion and you, you said you came to terms with some, some trauma. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit about that? What that experience was like? Cause yeah, I mean the first like big experience for me, I think the first unveiling was issues with my father, you know, and I, you know, my father because of his own issues and his own childhood, like he, and being an alcoholic, like he just, he really like filled me with guilt. Like, conversations and when I was a teenager were always alcohol fueled and he always would yell at me and like tell me I was lying or tell me that I was wrong tell me that I was doing the wrong things and you know that that carried with me throughout my you know into my 20s of like never being capable of doing something for myself without being feeling guilty you know like I couldn't I couldn't go visit my cousin in Florida without feeling guilty about it or not work, you know, buying something, you know, like buying something nice for myself. Like I felt tremendous guilt. Like I, and, and I would always question my own intuition. I, I would always be like, am I making this up? Am I lying to myself? Am I bullshitting myself just to like 
fit my own narrative because my, my dad literally put it in me that like, I was always lying, even when I wasn't lying, you know, like I would be speaking the truth. He would tell me I was a liar. And then after so many times of that, I no longer believe myself, you know, I, I no longer believe my own truths. So my first experience, uh, my first, like really helping me deal with that was, you know, it was kind of like this, you gotta imagine, man, you're like, just like in a movie, like being in the Amazon jungle, like you're in the jungle, you're in a hut, it's pitch black outside. There's no light, no, not even moonlight. You have these native indigenous shamans, three of them. And I'm in this hut with me and just two other women from Canada and everyone drinks ayahuasca. And then they start singing. They start like chanting what they call ikaros. And it's this very like, you know, they're shaking these leaves like, and they, it's like, you know, like whatever. They all have their own melodies and it starts pouring rain, bro. Like literally legit pouring rain and lightning striking. And you just start feeling the waves like hit you, you know, and I'm starting to see like pyramids are like forming in my mind and they're melting. And like, I see these oceanic orchestras of sound and vision. And like, it's all like swirling in my mind. And I'm like laying there on the ground in, in pitch blackness. And the shaman's like over me, like smoking his, they call mapacho, which is Peruvian tobacco. And they're, they're cause that's like astral band-aids basically, or like astral body, like, kind of like filtering the healing into you into your astral bodies through the smoke so you're smelling the smoke and you're hearing the frogs and all the chirping and, and the lightning and the thunder and then I start seeing images of my dad like holding me as a baby you know and like cradling me and then I see images of him like playing with me and us playing basketball together or laughing and like all these like memories of like the love we share you know, and then it switched and it started showing me like all these horrible experiences I had with him, like all the times that he was mean to me, you know, all the times that he, he like hurt me. And every time I would see that memory, it was like something was being like pulled up to the surface, you know, in my stomach, you know, ayahuasca is a purgative, you know, so it, you, you throw up your trauma, you throw up this stuff that's stuck inside of you. So every time I see this image, I, I'm like thrown up into this this bucket and then it would go back and show me like a nice vision again, you know, a memory again. And then I had all these like literally like spirits surrounding me, like holding me down and like blessing me and like telling me that it was okay to let go. And I just started saying like, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you like over and over again until I finally was like, I felt this, like this like 40 pound weight just come off me and I sat up you know, and I just like raised my hands into the air and I was just crying, you know, and like feeling for the first time that connection of like when I was a little boy and what, the, and it was like, ayahuasca was showing me like, that's what matters. You know, he still loves you. You still love him. All of this other stuff is just for growing. All this other stuff is just all these things that happen. It's just combinations of his issues with your issues forgive him because you're holding it he he loves you he doesn't hold it you know you're holding it and finally i was just it just came off me 
you know, and I experienced my body for the first time, like liquid, you know, like no, no, like pulling, you know, like my, no pulling in my hips, no pulling in my neck. Like everything was just like, you know, like total Kung Fu. Like I did a, I did a handstand, you know, like right then and there, I just, bl- just blasted this handstand because everything was so connected. Like there was nothing there's nothing, no, nothing interrupting the signal, you know, the electricity. So that was like my first, my first one, you know, my first, like, oh, I'm, I'm, I've healed from something. I can move forward. I can go deeper. I can go further. I can go way deeper. And which I did, you know, I'm, I'm more on the level of like universal suffering rather than like my own. There's still some personal stuff, but it's like stuff I don't remember. You know, it's things that are like, you know, feelings of like being enslaved and that kind of stuff show up now, you know, it's, it's, it's a different thing now, you know, but yeah. Wait, wait, feelings of being enslaved. Yeah. Like, um, literally like in my last trip to Peru, I had basically was, I went to Peru this last time to initiate the shamanism within me. Like, so ayahuasca in conjunction the teacher you were there to learn how to teach yeah i was there yeah and in order to teach you have to be pure purified you know so like you have to strip away a lot of crap so like it really pushed me very hard you know compared to the other people it seemed you know it's my own my own assumption but it seemed like i was being pushed much harder because i was the only I was emoting so much, you know, I I felt like I had to strip away the primal uh, animal within me, like the monkey came out of me and I would scream and howl like crazy, like a monkey. And there was no stopping it. I'm like, literally like I'm in a group of 13 people, three shamans, couple facilitators. And I'm just screaming like a, like a monkey, dude. I'm just like, (laughs) I like, I'm like, literally going nuts like no capabilities of and i didn't want to stop i didn't want to stop and the the shamans would come to me and they would sit in front of me and they would start singing and then they would be like concentrate man like if you want to go there you gotta you gotta beat this monkey you gotta beat the monkey you gotta you gotta go ahead you gotta get out of this this is this is the first stage you know the first stage is letting go of the animal within you you know, it's because it's seductive. You know, you feel the power of an animal, of being an animal. You feel the monkey, or I felt other animals too, but it's a different feeling. You know, it's, it's very primal. It's very, the energy is just surreal. You know, like I knew in that moment I could lift myself up into a tree with one arm, you know, like it's, and in the second ceremony, I'm, I'm still like super blasted after like six hours, people are like all kind of calmed down. The shamans had stopped singing, like the ceremony was over, but bro, I'm still having these like matrix like visions in my head. Like I'm literally in a technological hell. Like I I'm seeing infinite cubes like of, of, of a machine and all these demonic like faces within the machine and it's just like consuming me you know it's like it's seducing me and it's like i start to feel like 
I would like open my eyes and I would look around and I'm like, I would see the people next to me. Like they're all just like, you know, like smoking their tobacco. One guy's like peering out into the, the jungle. You know, I see stars in the sky, but I'm like, is this real? You know, like I, it's, 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 um, the true terror of recognizing that you don't really know what's real or not. You know, and I, I was feeling that I was like, is the jungle real or is what's in my mind real? Which one is more real? Where, where am I actually, where's my consciousness? Is it in the jungle or is it in this hell? Where, where is it? And I would like close my eyes and be like, nah, 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 I'm cool. I'm cool. Like this is just a vision. And then it would get, denser the cubes would get closer like the faces would get deeper ingrained within me and i'm like now i'm not so sure i'm not sure what's real anymore even with my eyes open i don't quite believe what my eyes are seeing so i'm like there's like this part of me that's just like just relax dude just lay down accept it Instead of listening to that, which is my spirit telling me to relax, to let the process happen, my ego gets in the way. And it's like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> I choose life. I, I thought in the moment that it was the reverse. I thought that my spirit was like, get me out of here. But it was my ego saying, don't kill me. Right. You know, don't kill me. Because my ego created this hell this hell vision, this technological hell vision, this matrix like vision of like that I'm stuck in a software program somewhere, which maybe we are, you know, in some way. <clears throat> and I'm like, no, I choose life. I choose life. I'm thinking my spirit is saying this. My ego is saying, I choose life. I choose life. Right. And I start saying it and I start saying it louder I start saying it louder. I like sit up and I'm like, I choose life. I choose life. I choose, like, I start getting louder and people start like waking up, you know, around me. They're like, what the fuck? And then <laughs> the facilitator, this Polish psychologist, like starts lighting candles and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like what's going on? You know, like, okay, Markham, we get it. You choose life. Like, <laughs> great. They couldn't, they couldn't, they didn't know what was happening to me. You know, they, they couldn't tell. I, I, I wish that they should have had a little bit more experience and, and kind of like realizing what was happening to me. So they're all like all, there's like a row of women sitting across from me and they all like kind of come up and they all look like they're all have like blankets and they're kind of like, you know, like this. So they all look like these like Hindu, like Buddhas. Uh -huh. And I convince myself that I'm, I have woken up to the center console, okay? Like this place that I'm at, this, this circle of people, we're all like these high levels. This is what I thought, you know, like I truly believe this. Of course, now I don't, but in that moment, I was like, these are all these intensely high level software program programs that are enslaved into this Amazonian like, like, cubicle like this this center console area and when we're asleep we're the the console the computer is like using our energy 
to keep all the other people alive. And all the other people are like in the matrix. They're all like, their bodies are like in these like little tubes somewhere. But like my energy is feeding <clears throat> all these people to right. keep the matrix running. And, and I really believe this. And I was like, no, this is, I, I choose to be real. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a part of this system anymore. And all the girls are like, Markham, just go back to sleep. And I'm like, fuck you, man. Like straight up was like, fuck you. I was like, I'll never go back to sleep. Cause in my head, I'm like, <laughs> they're, th they're like, they're, they, they're like, dude, go to sleep. Like everything's cool. And I'm like, I think sleep is like getting plugged back into the system. Right. And I'm like, I just got out of this system. <laughs> you know, like I'm awake and there's this, and bless this Polish guy. I convince myself that he's like the groundskeeper and that what he does is he go around, he goes around and he's like, when any, anyone gets out of line and starts to wake up, he's like, shh, 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 go back, go back to sleep, go back into your, your, your machine, you know, like get your, get, get back in there, you know, like, no, 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 no. You're not coming out. You're not going to go back in there. You know, and I, <laughs> I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he plays, he decides, he's like, oh, maybe I should play some music to kind of like calm the mood down. So in my yoga studio, uh, the teacher sometimes at the end of class, she would play this song that really irritated me. And it's like one of those like very kind of like, happy like it, it, it the song goes i am light i am light <laughs> you know, it's this very like cheesy yeah. song yeah. and he picks that song to play so i'm even more yeah. convinced you know like it was meant to play that song and i'm like turn that shit off fuck yeah I'm like turn it the fuck off and then i just go full out like metalcore like screamer and i'm like oh, i chose life and dude i screamed so loud it reverberates into the jungle and everyone got really quiet like now people are now i've scared people and people are now afraid of me and, <laughs> you know and you can imagine i'm like this one dude i got my shirt off i'm in like shorts all my i have a huge back piece i got a whole sleeve i'm sitting they don't know me you know they're from all over the place and they're like, dude, this guy's going to kill us, you know? And I was like this, you know, I was like, I was squeezing my fist. Like I was like, try me, dude, you know, try me. I, I started to believe that they were all against me because they didn't understand, you know, what was happening. Should I keep going? Oh yeah, dude. This, this sounds like a, it's a trip, dude. Oh my God. So bless this Polish guy. He's like, he's exactly like that traditional like european mechanic character in a movie like you know they they're always like fiddling with stuff and he's you know he has he's very tall like little curly hair like you can imagine with like a beanie and like all smudged up with oil you know what i mean like just that like polish mechanic kind of guy and he's like okay 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 guys okay mark come with me come with me let's go let's go like i need to he, he recognized he needed to get me out of the, the hut and kind of like walk me around a little bit to try to get me to calm down. So I'm like, cool. So I'm like, he's like, let's go. I was like, cause I told him, I was like, take me back to the United States. I was like, <laughs> I want to go back. I want to go right back now. to Beth. Yeah. I was like, take me now, like initiate the software, you know, like egg exit 
out of this. I yeah. want to go back to the America simulation. America.exe, press enter. Yeah, exactly. And he's like, okay, come with me, come with me. So he takes me into his hut first. And he's like, Markham, are you okay, man? I'm like, yeah, fine, dude. Like, none of this is real. And I just piss all over his floor. <laughs> and he's like, Markham, Markham, you just, you just pissed on my floor. <laughs> and I'm like, so? Doesn't matter. You're, you're not real. And this place isn't real, so what does it matter? And he's like, okay, okay. Like, dude was so chill, you know? He takes me out. He takes me to the shower. He's like, get in the shower. It's like a, you know, giant bucket, like, you know, filtering rainwater. So it shocks me with cold water. And then he's like, fill up this bucket. So I fill up the bucket with water and then he puts some rags and he's like, go clean my floor. So I go back and I'm like cleaning his floor and I start cleaning his feet. (laughs) You know, like, I just think this whole thing is, you know, a legit, like not real. So he walks me through the Amazons to the neighboring, like, village where there's another ayahuasca hut and all these dogs start like forming around us and i run into this russian girl this is real and you could tell that she was just having like a really hard time with ayahuasca or whatever so i like i cradle her and i'm like holding her and i'm like petting her and i was like everything's gonna be okay like none of this is real you know like everything's okay and she's like resting on me and there's all these dogs around me and then Blaz is like, all right, man, like tomorrow I take you to America, you know, like, but now we must go to sleep. So he takes me back to the hut, to the big hut and lays me down. And I'm kind of just like still tripping pretty good, but I'm coming down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I wake up the next morning and everyone's upset, you know you could tell that no one slept and every cause you all have to sleep together after the ayahuasca ceremony. They don't want you like trekking back to your huts. Cause we stay isolated in our own huts. If during the days that we're there and we only get together for the ceremony itself. Really? Yeah. Cause the whole point is like, you're not just taking ayahuasca, you're isolating yourself from the world and technology and everything and, and food. Like we're just eating like rice and, it's meant to like purify you, you know, like just deep introspection, you know, with you, you alone in the jungle, no books, nothing to do, but sit there, you know, you can write, that's it. And then ayahuasca happened every like two days. So wake up in the morning and Blas was like, yo, we need to talk about what happened last night. You know, Markham has something to say, you know, so I was like, Hey guys, like, no, I'm very sorry for freaking everyone out. Uh, but, and that was all I was allowed to say before they all just like jumped down my throat. They're like, you're a fucking asshole. You know, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I thought this was a place for healing, you know, but they were all like, you can't control yourself. Like you ruined my experience. Like people were just very upset. And Blaz told me, he's like, go to your hut and stay there for two days. Don't come out. I'll bring you food. I'll bring you water. I was like, cool. You know? Huh. So I went, I spent two days. How did it feel receiving all that feedback from everyone? I wanted to just take it. You know, I was, my ego was hurt because I wanted to be like, you don't understand. 
You know, like, you don't understand what happened to me. But then a part of me was like, bro, just let them, let them be empathetic towards them. It's not about you. You know, take responsibility. It doesn't matter what happened to you. Just own it. Own this moment. Just put your tail between your legs and walk away. There's nothing to, that needs to be said. You, you're not going to win this battle. You know, it's not for me to win. I was, and then I went back and I, for two days, I was like trying to understand it. And then it, I started to put it together. I'm like the first two ceremonies, this monkey's coming out of me. This ego is coming out of me. This pr my primal self is showing its fangs because I, I grew up very empathetic and very, you know, more more on the feminine feminine side of my spirituality rather than the masculine. Like I never felt myself to be aggressive or, you know, I never felt that way. And then martial arts started to like pull my masculinity out of me where I had to like, I had to start fucking showing up for battle, you know, and jujitsu is, I don't know how much you know about jujitsu, but it's, you got to go for it, man. I mean, it's, you can't be, a, you can't let people, people will wipe your face across the mat, you know, like you have to defend yourself. Trying to turn and, around. and I think that the monkey was that side of me that had been shoved down my whole life coming out the, the, the masculine I'm here, you know, I'm a man, you know, like, look at me, listen to, I, I am louder than everyone else. And, and I'm so happy that I allowed myself to express it. I, I didn't stop myself. And the shamans knew what was going on. They've seen it before. All they were telling me was like, yo, you want to go deep? You need to concentrate. This is your test. Are you going to let the monkey rule you? Or are you going to rule the monkey? You know, our, we have bi our biology, we have our intellect, and we have our spirit. The intellect should control our biology, not the other way around. You know, otherwise we'd just be jerking off all day long and like, not getting anything done. And then the intellect needs to be ruled by our spirit. We can't allow our intellect to rule our spirit, you know? And I, my biology was fighting for life, for its life. So I like really took that shit to heart and I like really tried to understand it and focus and practice. So I would like practice in my hut meditating and I would, <laughs> Um. <laughs> um. You know, trying to revert, let the monkey come out and then calm it down, like calm it down. Let it work for me. Let it be with me. Not, not kill it, but make the monkey, integrate the monkey within me to be a part of me and, and help me grow rather than like control me. So then in my third ceremony, chapter three, I'm like, I know it's a test. And Arnold, this uh, guy in his 50s from the Netherlands, he sat right next to me. And he was like my father figure there. And I was his son figure because he, he was there to heal from his son dying. His son died in an accident a year before, and he was there to like heal from it. So we were kind of sharing, sort of facilitating some some father son things for each other. So he sat next to me and then this other kid, uh, Max sat next to me, this Polish kid, Max sat next to me. 
who was kind of looking up to me. He was like 21 years old. And I felt like I'm like, holy shit, my dad's like being like, you're going to, you're going to act like a crazy person. And I'm like, I can't act like a crazy person. because I'm setting a bad example to this kid, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So man, it starts coming, you know, like the ayahuasca starts working on me and I, total fucking ninja, dude. Like I'm literally going like this, like, hands out squeezing my my fist i'm doing all these like crazy like postures trying to like feel the energy and like trap it feel it trapping feel it like coming up and then i start getting like these you know crazy spinning spherical like dim like multi-dimensional shapes forming in my mind and i'm like the more i like hold it like the, the pose it stops moving and then that's and they start to like all come apart like a Rubik's cube falling apart. And then I start concentrating and it's like connecting again and starts to like a puzzle. And I'm like, okay, I, now I'm understanding what's happening. And then the shaman comes and sits in front of me and he starts singing to me and I could feel it was like ribbons of color, like wrapping around my body, like helping me like stay in like this spiral. So I'm like spinning on a, on an axis, like I'm a, like I'm a planet, you know, or like just rotating and I'm concentrating doing like, dude, just like a fucking karate movie, you know, like it's, it's happening. Like this shit is real. And I feel the energy like blasting out my palms and I'm holding it together. And then I see Ganesha, Do you know, who Ganesha yeah, is he has a Hindu God with the elephant head. Yeah. And he's the, he's the remover of obstacles. Like that's his position in the astral plane. Like he, Ganesha was a human and he broke his chains of the physical body to become an astral being. And he's there to guide us out of our physical bodies into the astral realm. And that's his domain. Like he's there to like get us to the next level of consciousness. Like that's his purpose. So I see him and he's looking at me and his eyes are like emerald emeralds on fire, dude. And he's just staring at me and he's like, his trunk is like, and I'm like dancing with it. And then I just come to this stillness and I lay down and all these entities crowd around me. Can't tell you what they look like. And they're like, let go. This is your chance. Let go, let go. And I'm like, I start just crying, you know, like weeping. And I, I open my arms out wide and I feel like someone took a laser, like a, a real laser and like open my stomach up. And I, and I feel these hands going into my, my stomach and my, they're moving my intestines out of the way and they're like reshaping my, my stomach and they're pulling. All of a sudden I see they, in my head, I see this serpent, like nasty demon-like face with like a serpent's body, like come out and it's like, and dude, the terror, bro, the awesomeness, but the fucking terror, you know, like this is actually happening. And people are all kind of having these experiences. I can hear people throwing up, moaning, crying, laughing. The shamans all singing their own tunes at the same time. And I'm fucking like, Rah! like, I feel all this shit happening to me. And I'm like, let go, let go. And they're like, you're doing it. You know, it was like doctors, like these, I was like in a surgery 
in a hospital room in another dimension, in a hospital of, different, uh, of a different place, of a different kind. And these doctors were all looking over me and they're like, we got to get this shit out of him. He's ready. He can handle it. And they're like, can you handle it? And I'm like, I can handle it. And they're like, then let go. Don't get in our way. Don't fight. Feel this pain feel it. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. You know, it was like Ganesha helped me get there. And all this prana and all this chi was like filling me up in order to handle the, instead of anesthesia, it's like more power to handle the pain. It's not to, it's not to not feel it. It's to be able to feel it, you know? And I'm feeling this, all this movement in my stomach. And then they just pull this motherfucker out of me. And I just, Boom, sit up and I'm like, Bleh. I mean, like, like a fountain of black sludge just like exits my mouth. This so intense, man. And the shamans start picking it up. You know, they're like, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> like just fucking letting all this shit out of me, bro. And then I just crawl outside dude and just shit all into the woods you know just blasting from both ends like all this all this horrible stuff man and then i it stops like the excreting stops and dude i opened the the door to the to the hut to the big hut and my nose nostrils like widen and i smell all this wood this deep wood smell and all the tobacco smoke just and then I just start fucking like dancing man I start dancing I start singing with the shamans and I'm like like and I can hear my voice like tremble because it's not it's like it's coming you know like the, sh the shaman is coming like the the teaching is coming like I'm, I, I'm now that the blockage has been removed I can now use my voice and it slowly starts to like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. and I start whistling and the shaman's like, yes, keep going. Check, check it. They're like shaking. They're fucking, they're little maracas, you know? And they're like, he, follow your voice, follow your voice. And I'm like, and then the, I lay down like almost like this ceremonial like thing. I lay down and the younger shaman Felipe, he's this 27 year old kid. He's been a shaman since he, he's been practicing since he was like nine. He comes and grabs my finger. I'm like looking up at him, you know, like a little baby. And he grabs my hand and he's like going like this with it. And he starts singing at me and he's like, and I'm like, you know, like trying to, go with him you know like into his flow and he's crying and he's he's like all smiles dude all smiles and i'm just just going with him man just dude it's unbelievable like that that happened dude. and i spent the rest of that ceremony just singing and whistling and like listening to the shamans and picking up on their melodies you know and just right and just vibing with them on their melodies you know, and, and they were like, you got it, man. Like, just keep practicing. You know, you got to keep practicing. So, damn, dude. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. What it a... gets crazier, man. It gets, uh, somehow it gets crazier. But, 
Was that the you last know? time you were there in Peru? Yeah, but it, it, it wasn't the last ceremony either. But yeah, that was kind of like my initiation and finally like breaking through, you know, the, the, the things, you know, like my father was kind of like, reconnecting with my ancestors and utilizing that that connection of family and bridging the gap between me and my father for me to be a father you know and like forgiving him and forgiving myself in order to in order to how can i be how can i heal others if i can't heal myself and my family and the own jordan peterson who's an amazing psychologists of our time you know he's like the whole purpose of becoming an adult is to have the tools necessary to go back in time to when you were a kid and heal yourself from all the shit that happened to you that wasn't your fault you know and that's the that's the the tale of like the man facing the dragon like going up into the castle to fucking fight the dragon and save the girl the girl is you you know like it's to save you and to fight the dragon is to fight your trauma, is to fight your bullshit, you know, all the shit that you've accumulated and that's created fear that imprisons us and keeps us from being who we want to be. It turns into this huge entity that you can't control anymore. That's what happens to people, you know? Yeah, it's... Uh... We can only we can only take someone as far as we have gone ourselves, essentially. Right. Yeah. And how can I like want to like help people with psychedelics and stuff that can really open people up if I haven't seen the bottom of my own pit? Yeah. Yeah, dude. We we go. I mean, that's all hero's journey, dark night of the soul type stuff. As we go <clears throat> into that space, or for my in my case, I was feels like I was dragged into that space. Like it was by no choice of my own, you know, mm-hmm. to end mm-hmm. up in a space where you, you know, it's, it's funny. You follow the thread of, of who, who I think I am, the thread of self and, and it, and it really brings you to a vast chasm of nothingness and isolation and loneliness because mm-hmm. our, our own desires or our own designs, everything I can construct and come up with and, the reasoning why I ended up the way I did and what happened to me and coming to terms and like the further deeper you go and you realize there's no answers. Right. And, uh, and I think that's part of the process of letting go is, is yeah. Coming to terms with whatever we need to figure out, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I, I just think that, um, I don't know. I just, I, we we were talking earlier about feeling like we're trapped and we're like trying to, and I, and honestly, I'm starting to feel like true freedom is knowing that there is no choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, true freedom is no choice at all. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of like the motif I think of all the ayahuasca and the purge is like the process of letting go, you know, the process Get out of the way. You're getting out of the way and letting things unfold as they will, not how I will, not how I think things should <clears> go, but how it, it wants to go. Right. Um, man, this has been fucking, this has been the shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, it has. Thank you for talking to me. Yeah, dude. What, where, do you, where do you go from here? Like you're studying right now, you're in school, you, you, 
you were in a, yeah, your career has been varied, dude. Artistry and professionalism. And you, now you, you, what are you looking at doing? What's your, what's your aim? I'm, I'm in school to be a nurse. You know, I don't, I'm not sure at this stage that I have the chops to get into medical school. And Beth certainly does. And she's much younger than me. She's 23. So she has the time, you know, more time like to, to go through that process and become a doctor, which she, she wants to be. And for me, like, I don't know if I necessarily need that education. I need as a nurse, I, I get to be close to people and in, 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 in many varying types of ways, you know, I have so many choices uh, and I get to keep that face-to-face contact. You know, sometimes you become a doctor and you're like the last person to touch a person, you know? Right. And um, it's crossed my mind a little bit to maybe do uh, hospice, like be a hospice nurse where like I help people die. You know, because I'm like, man, I've been dying over and over again. Like, I think I have some idea of it. And I think right now, like, we have this the wrong impression of death in Western society. And, like, maybe I can, maybe I can help people die gracefully, you know, and die with dignity and set them up to, like, whatever happens when the lights go off and the other lights turn on, that they're a little more prepared for that journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, man, that's, that's, that's dope, dude. I I like the idea of helping people die while they're alive. Right. And I, and I want to continue doing that. And like, you know, I hope psilocybin becomes legal and Beth and I would love to open up a psychedelic therapy clinic, but you know, my emphasis would be yes, come and heal from trauma, but like come here prepared to die, you know, like, that would be my like pitch would be like, I can help facilitate the practice of dying and, and, and in that practice, all the other things will, will happen. All the healing will happen. Yeah. The ego death. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like the idea of you pursuing uh, being a nurse because of the fact that you'll be in front of people suffering all realms of different, I mean, psychologically, if you're in that field or, physically just a full right realm of human emotion and experience when con- confronting uh challenges uh, of the yeah. body and the mind yeah it will get you in yeah. front of people that are that you could help i need to experience that you know i don't want it to i don't want to live in the clouds you know like i want to see this reality you know like for all of it it might not it might not be the ultimate reality but it is real this shit okay. is actually happening you know, I mean, like, all the all the woo woo stuff we want to say, all the you know the Taoist go with the flow, things will happen on their own are irrelevant when you've got a, a knife wound to your gut, right? Or you just got your leg snapped in half by a jujitsu pull. It's like all that stuff is meaningless when you're yeah. when you're got a gunshot wound, you know? Right, right. And I want to see that. You know, I want to. Can I handle that? You know, did ayahuasca prepare me to be around people that are like bleeding to death or screaming in terror because they had their foot cut off by like a forklift or, you know, or suffered gunshot wounds or they've been raped or whatever, you know, like, can I handle that? Am I prepared for that? 
and even like the mental cases of people that are experiencing like the bowels of depression and suicidality and self-harm and it's like no matter how much space and love i can give to a client or a person experiencing that depth of pain nothing i say or do is really going to facilitate healing for them that it's like it's it's hopefully i can influence a change in the, in the way in which they perceive. But the work that everyone always has to do was always has to come from within here. And like, you know, the, the reality of encountering people that don't want to be saved. Right. Encountering people That's that real. Yeah. And I mean, shit, I, I've contemplated about this a lot of thinking about the guy I was two years ago when I was just every morning not wanting to be here. Like, what would I have said to that guy? You know, what would I have said to help him? Cause he was doing everything he could to get help. He was trying to find a different sponsor. He was going to therapy. He was writing, he was recording. He was doing everything he could. Like, what could I say to him? You know? And, uh, and like, would he be able to listen to what I'm saying now? Like, would he be able to hear that? Like things will get better, you know? And it's just, it's so tough. Like we were saying earlier is like, we are learning how to heal so we can heal ourselves. Hopefully mm-hmm. I'll encounter someone that wasn't me that's ready to learn or, or not ready to learn, but, but is in the space to, to be brought out of it the way, I don't know. I don't know the way that it wants to happen, but like, that's essentially, you know, if you think about why we leave behind residue of our, of our experience in the form of literature or art or film, it's almost as, as a way to communicate with the person that we never met, the person yeah. that might've been me two years ago, you know? It's like a map. Yeah. Hopefully. You know, you're giving someone a map. And at the end of the day, what we're really doing is we're having a solliptic experience, which is like my reality or my world that I'm experiencing is cultivated and, and, and acclimated to the way I'm perceiving it. It's like my own show over here. And what I really want to do is, is raise the, the vibration of my frequency so I can dance with more people. Really? Exactly. Yeah. It's the truth, man. Yeah. But man, thank you so much for coming on, dude. Um, can I can send people to your website? Yeah, totally. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share? Would you be open to receiving questions or if yep. anybody wants to hit you up and ask? Yeah, of course. Of course, man. I mean, I could, you know, the stories are endless. You know, it's, yeah, if anyone has any questions about about this stuff and that, that maybe had thought about it as a recreational thing or see themselves like yeah like i want to go down that path like i want to see what i'm all about like themselves like just hit me up you know like i'm i know that i'm that the right people that are ready come they show up i don't go looking for it in the sense of like pressuring people or shoving it down their throat because it's a specific type of person that's like i want to see my darkness will you Will you guide me through that? Absolutely, dude. Is there anything? So, is there anything you uh, you want to share before we close out? Or I think that's it, bro. <laughs> you know, I'm Man. super glad to see you doing well, and I'm I've been listening to your records, and I think it's crazy that you can rap as fast as you can. <laughs> Thinking about the days of being a kid. Uh, playing soccer together. <laughs> yeah, playing soccer, playing video games, Magic the Gathering, skateboarding. Fuck, dude. And maybe we should set up a, a shoot, you and your 
your music partner. Let's do it. Let's do a shoot. Yeah, dude, definitely. When I'm back in town, for sure. Yeah, let me know. I got all my gear with me, so we can do something cool. Man, that's what's up, dude. Yeah. Well, we'll have to do this again, dude. Anytime, man. We'll, cir we'll circle back, bro. Yeah. Let me know if, you know, if you get anybody that listens to it, finds it interesting, let me know. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad. Oh, who's that? That's Bruce. Hey, boy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, boy. Say hi. <laughs> well, yeah, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, this is, uh, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, yeah, we're good, dude. Awesome. Let's catch up later. All right, brother. All right, man. I'll talk, talk to you later. Peace. Bye.